Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. You hear them every week opening the podcast, but who are Green Valley Tree LLC? We talk to Josh and Ariel Wormsley, our sponsor, in a candid conversation about working together and the business they're in. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. Many podcasts you listen to are only possible with the financial support of advertisers or sponsors, and Connecticut East This Week is no different. Since almost the beginning of this podcast, we've been lucky to have the support of Green Valley Tree LLC, an eastern Connecticut company based in North Wyndham. You might consider it a little indulgent of us to have our sponsor on this week, but without them, we wouldn't be able to bring you the news stories that mean something to you. So joining us on the podcast are our sponsors. They've been sponsoring us for a long time. It's the first time we've actually had them on the podcast, and that is Josh and Ariel Wormsley of Green Valley Tree LLC. To you both, thank you for coming on finally. You're both busy people. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. So tell us a little bit about Green Valley Tree, because people hear every week on the podcast, before it opens, your dulcet tones, and then there's another little advert, and they're probably thinking, hey, sounds like a great company. So tell us a little bit about it, Ariel. How did it all start? We started in 2015, and Josh was looking to get out of the line clearance world and more into caring for trees instead of just kind of doing roadside trimming and cutting things down. And that's pretty much where it began. So, Josh, tell us your bit of this as well, because it is a husband and wife team, and it is very much a husband and wife team. I mean, you're more, you know, the tree climber, and Ariel is sort of like back of house, as it were. But tell us, you know, a little bit about your part in this. Yeah, actually, no, Ariel does all the climbing. I do uh, the desk work, and (laughs) we like to keep it that way. Yeah, so with everything that we do, I guess for a long time, I really was the face of the company out talking, doing the sales Doing the climbing and equipment repair, I mean, everything for the longest time. We were very small. She was going to school full-time, and we had just bought the house and uh, quit my job two weeks afterwards, and we just kind of jumped in. I say we because there really was no choice. <laughs> it's kind of your recall today we're doing this. I was going to say to you, I mean, it's a tough gig. I mean, this is not an easy business to be in. I mean, just having business generally is it's hard because – you're never sort of really off work, are you? And, you know, you've got this small business, which has grown and grown and grown. You're both incredibly busy people. What would you say to people who are listening to this, you know, if they're thinking of starting their own business? Because, you know, you're both very successful at it. But like I said, it takes a lot of hard work. You have to have extremely thick skin. If you're not willing to deal with the ride, I mean, even us being husband and wife, I mean, the personal side of it, when you butt heads on what's going on and dealing with customers and competitors. If you can't see where you want to be in your goal and stick to those points for what you want to sell for us is quality and customer service. That's what we strive for. And that is for me, what sets us apart. So you have to have 
a very strong work drive and realize that it is going to take a lot of effort to do it properly. And Ariel, I mean, you know, working with your husband, <laughs> I mean, like Josh just said, you know, occasionally you're going to butt heads, etc. But I mean, how easy is it to turn off at the end of the day? I mean, do you both still take work home with you? Or it's can basically you switch impossible. Off? I would say, is there a turn off? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so Josh is, if you ever meet him, he's somebody that does not come with an off switch at all. So it doesn't matter if we were doing this or something else. It just doesn't turn off because this is what he wants to be doing. For me, I definitely, I mean, I have an undergrad degree and I have a master's degree and I went to school, you know, for seven years because I wanted a nine to five. And here I am with a, like the polar opposite of that, (laughs) (laughs) which is okay. Now we're finally getting to a point where it doesn't run us, we run it, uh, which has been nice. But yeah, just kind of learning how to set boundaries. And the biggest thing for being husband and wife having to do this is just being honest just very upfront, straightforward. If I have a problem, I'm immediately going to address it. If he has a problem, he's immediately going to address it. So that way you don't get that whole thing that just builds and builds and builds and then it avalanches and then almost impossible to just get done what you need to get done on the daily because you just let it pile up. You're very much sort of in control of the business because, as we said, although Josh does, you know, the climbing and goes and do quotes, I mean, you know, you're pivotal in its operation on a day-to-day basis, you know, sort of like doing that important speaking to customers. Tell us a little bit about that because, you know, again, that is a difficult, it's a hard thing to do and to keep you calm because people want things right now. So, (laughs) you know, talk us through that. Well, while I was in school, I waited tables, so... Doing lots of things at once while still giving good customer service, that background has definitely helped. And we make lots of lists. We have (laughs) a list for things that Josh needs to get done when he gets home that's, you know, related to work that's Mm. come up during the day. And then I have my list of things that I need to get done. And we hired some more help in the office last year. And that's helped tremendously. Yeah, it's been huge. We are very big fans of whiteboards. Yes, lots of whiteboards. Yes. (laughs) It's it's the only way to stay organized. We use our um, Google Docs and Google Calendar, so that way everything can be shared with everybody. You get all your reminders and so you're low you're low hard. tech and high tech. Because I mean, oh, white, yeah. whiteboards. I mean, I think everybody uses. Well, I use whiteboards as well because they're, they're right. that instant frame of reference, aren't they? Exactly. It's easy to organize for the guys. And I mean, I'm not even really climbing these days. I'm running the crane. I'm doing the sales and. You know, one of our newest PHC techs is Irene in the office that people may or may not have talked to. And, you know, she showed interest. So now she's one of our techs out there doing applications. So I'm not doing as many because I'm still out running around consulting, look at our projects. So my role has really shifted from where it was originally. And it just continues to evolve and shift and change. Do you like that your role has shifted? Because you strike me very much as somebody who likes to be climbing trees and whatever. But clearly, as you said, the business changes. So do you like the way that your job has evolved? You know, it's kind of a double side answer because I love the thrill of business. It's, it's really fun. It's the chase. I guess that's what's driven me so much on that side of it. But at the same point, I really, truly miss climbing. Um, that's just my passion is being in the trees and moving around and jumping, having fun. So that's, I very much so miss being in the trees on a daily. 
Now, the other thing, of course, and you both said this a little while ago in the interview, that, uh, you know, customer service and quality is everything. And, you know, you can see that in the work that uh, both of you do and the organization, the company as a whole. What sort of advice would you be, would you give to people who are listening to this if they've never used like a, an arborist or a professional service like yours before? What are the types of things they need to be doing their due diligence and, and checking before they actually get uh, the services of a company like yours? The first thing that I would ask for is licensing information. Um, so for us, you have to have a, an arborist license to do any sort of trimming or applications or things like that. And then making sure that they're insured. Whether it's a contractor working on your roof, doing tree work, or inside your home, you want to make sure that they're, li- they're uh, fully licensed and insured. Those are definitely the two big things. Yeah, we actually also have a, a HIC license as well. So by technicality, we are supposed to have one because you're there improving the value of a home. So anytime you're improving the value of a property residential-wise, you're supposed to have an HIC. So we also make sure we have that. So this way our customers know that they can trust us who we are, and what we offer. So we try to be as transparent as possible as well. And that's huge, is transparency. The other thing I noticed about your organization, uh, and obviously, you know, part of it is you are on the podcast, as in, you know, you sponsor the podcast, you use technology as well. So social media platforms, etc. And that type of, of technology. What was the drive to, to use some of that? I mean, obviously, you're both young, it probably could just be as simple as well we've grown up with it so you know it makes sense but you know just explain to us Mm. why you use social media and all those sorts of platforms so much it's the world we live in honestly i mean we've got customers in their 70s and their 80s and you know they're on facebook they're online they're looking up things just as much as the youth and it's very interesting that's just where we're at um i've even got some of our customers online that we've talked to and we yak back and forth and they like and share our stuff that and we become a lot of our customers have become friends so it's really cool to watch them interact with our instagram feed and even with the girls in the office talking and emailing back and forth i mean we're almost on every platform because that's what people use and it's good to stay in touch with our customers and also hopefully our potential customers if you see it any different but that's yeah, it's really just the easiest way to show people who we are, post fun stuff, work stuff. Which you do, I mean, <laughs> and, and that's that's a great thing to see. I mean, also, you know, getting back to that community thing, I mean, you're very much part of the community and you give back to the community a lot as well, don't you? Yeah, uh, we've done quite a few projects locally for the Channel 3 Kids Camp, for the 325 Trees Project, which is out of Wyndham. Help me out. The rec leagues. Yeah, I mean, rec we got and chaplain. Uh, various youth baseball, soccer, and basketball leagues that we contribute to. I'd much rather see a kid out playing than behind a cell phone. So I'm pretty big on watching. It's really cool. Our our little league them team and chaplain went undefeated last year. Yeah, that was their first time together they were too. So excited. The kids were so pumped. There was, yeah. there was, was really no cool. games last year, and they came together and everybody had a great time. They did awesome. How important is it, uh, you know, for you both to to be able to do that? I mean, because, again, that takes time as well and commitment and and a desire to actually want to do it. I mean, you know, anybody can throw money at things, but, I mean, you do it because you genuinely believe, obviously, in all of this. Why is it so important? We live here. We work here. We are friends with people in the community. I, I grew up in Chaplin. Josh grew up in Scotland. Athletics have always been important to us. We also have a daughter now, too, so she's going to be growing up in the community, and we want to make sure that those programs are available to kids still and that they're well-funded and that, you know, the kids can just enjoy being kids and doing the things that they like and that that stuff's still available. And they're also the people that support us, and these are things that they're into, and 
to me, if you're supporting us, why shouldn't we help support you? Because without our customer basis, we have nothing. I mean, the Wyndham Historic District, I mean, we helped those guys donate a bunch of time. And, you know, they've got homes there. And these are customers beforehand. And they approach us and say, absolutely, let's help you out. So it's really big to pay it forward. Because, like I said, without the customer basis and those around us, we wouldn't have anything. So. Now, you're both very busy, uh, as we said, uh, and the, the company is very busy. Clearly, it's all seasonal as well. I mean, that can sort of like drive more work or less work. We're hitting winter. We've had a lot of storms. I mean, emergency service work is quite big for you, isn't it, Josh? It is. You know, percentage-wise, I don't even know where we're at these days because it just continues to grow so much. I mean, having everything in-house with our crane, grapple truck, I mean, our whole fleet that we have from the chippers to the great team that we have of employees out in the field and in the office were able to move quickly and get the customers back up and running fast get their houses tidied up and no water leaking and it's really important to get them on their feet and is that something ariel that people think about as an you know for arborist because i mean you know when we have these storms you know that's not perhaps the first thing that's on people's minds but then suddenly something happens like a tree comes crashing through their roof or damages part of their property and then of course they're dealing with the likes of your good self yeah <laughs> now it's uh sarah too and irene but yeah the three of us try to do the best we can to dispatch a crew out to just come take a look or we can just if you have a giant gaping hole and it's still raining and you need your roof tarped we'll just send them right over there yeah, yeah that's 24 7 me we've had plenty of times we'll be out one in the morning going to throw a tarp over then i'll come back with the guys later on or hey maybe we need to do it right now so i mean when we say 24 7 if you've been a customer of ours they'll say it all day long it is absolutely day or night rain or shine we're there hot or cold too <laughs> and and as we said obviously winter as well not just the storms but you know winter preparation um talk to us a little bit about that because i think people don't always think too much about their yards and obviously some like the trees and the plants that they have on their yards but uh, you know winter preparation is absolutely essential isn't it it really is i mean we're seeing such a change in our ecosystem it's it's crazy watching from our pine trees we have a plethora of disease and insects affecting them so are they healthy make sure you look around your yard one of my oaks and maples what do they look like do i have any dead ash trees that if New England decides to come in because we all know it's quite the roller coaster. Are they going to be safe? Uh, make sure they're healthy and keep them going for the landscape because not only is it for safety, but also the value of your home. Trees contribute a large amount to that. Up to 10% of your home value can be due to landscape. So there's a lot that goes into that winter prep and you know, trim off your dead limbs, making sure that everything's are safe. There's no fractured branches from these crazy storms that we get during the summers now. So... It's a lot to look for. And there's a lot of services that you can provide as well. I mean, from pruning to something called cabling. What's cabling? Because that sounds quite a a big thing. Yeah, so that's what we refer to as support systems, whether we be using bracing rods or dynamic or static cables to help support poor branch unions and or long overextended branches. So we might do some pruning to take some weight off and then install a dynamic or a static cable to make sure that the load is supported properly so so they're not failing and you can still enjoy a beautiful tree and i suppose that's you know just in case there's a lot of of um sort of snow and of course you know when we get the the snow turned to ice and then it's like it builds up exactly. i mean that's ultimately could you know really do some some serious damage to a tree absolutely yep 
And, you know, I've seen numerous pictures throughout seminars and classes over the years. And we look at orchards properly pruned, then the snow load, and then you look at the other half that's unproperly pruned, and it's just devastating. So a properly pruned and maintained tree, and pruning done correctly, I can't stress that enough, because disease can easily be transferred from a tool that was on a bad tree that had a disease to a, a perfectly healthy tree. Next thing you know, you're going to infect it. You will literally inoculate it. So having things done properly is huge. That's as easy as asking for the arborist license and make sure the salesman that comes out is an arborist. All you got to do is ask for that license number if they are the holder for that license. If not, well, we've all heard the saying, just because you've done something forever doesn't mean you're doing it properly. And, you know, we're just being absolutely crystal clear here. You know, some of this work isn't cheap uh, for good reason, yeah. because, you know, some of it involves some pretty hefty equipment. And uh, so we should people, Ariel, I mean, you know, shop around uh, as well, because I'm, I'm guessing prices can vary a little bit as well. Right. Uh, it's always good to get three quotes if you're hiring contractors. I mean, I, we do that whether, I mean, obviously we're not looking for tree work quotes, but any kind of contractor um, that we're hiring, it gets it gives you a good range. And then the other important part is to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples, that all three of your quotes are including the same type of work being done. You know, sometimes a customer will choose to go with somebody that has a cheaper price and will notice that the scope of work wasn't the same. You know, maybe they want their wood left on site because they found somebody that wants to burn it. And you know, sometimes we do go back and forth with customers where they decide, hey, this quote isn't exactly like the other ones I got. Can I change it so that it reads, you know, wood left on site and how much money would that save me? And then, you know, you do get what you pay for. There's a lot of time and money that goes into the licensing that we have. Our insurance is excellent. We switched insurance companies two years ago and we're paying more in insurance, but we are better covered and our customers are better covered should, God forbid, something go wrong. So having that insurance is incredibly important and making sure that the insurance is is properly covering you. But I would say those are the main things, making sure that your quotes are all having the same scope of work on them, making sure that their insurance is up to date and accurate. Even and the equipment that's showing up, is the equipment safe? You right. Know, what, or, you know, is it going to... showing up with? Is it going to leak one? oil all over your driveway, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, or not? That kind of thing. I mean, not to say that our stuff is brand new. We just are very, very heavy on maintenance and making sure that things are being taken care of so that they do last. You know, the big one on that, too, is, you know, this is a labor industry, and it doesn't matter if you're talking roofers, carpenters, or construction. So many people are willing to pay their employees underneath the table, and that opens the door for a massive lawsuit issue. I mean, it's easy to rack up a million dollars when somebody's on a job site underneath their own free will, and that's what it is without that, so... Make sure that, call up the insurance company. How many employees do you have? Okay, well, why do you have six people on the job site when there's only two on your workers' comp policy? I want them off my property. And that's that's very big in the world that we live in. So the other thing I want to talk to you about as well, obviously deer, we like wildlife, but wildlife doesn't always, you know, sort of like do good things to the plants and uh, and deer obviously are a particular problem. You've got a service that you guys provide called Deer Prevention Spraying. Tell us a little bit about it, Josh. Yeah, so we can go around and make sure that your plants are safe come wintertime, essentially. So we're able to spray the trees with the product that we use, and it stays there for anywhere between three and six months. I mean, uh, we've had feedback where customers even see it seven months long, right into the you know, beginning of the summer. 
Uh, it works phenomenal. And that's a great way to protect your investment in your landscape. If you want to see deer, by all means, you can put out other feeders, those acorns, but you don't want to lose your trees. I mean, they're privacy. You know, they're an investment that you've already paid money to have installed, or even maybe you, that's your passion that you want to protect, and you've taken the time to prune, or maybe it's your gram grams or something like that. Yeah, because, I mean, they can do a lot of damage, can't they? Especially if it gets a really hard winter and they're desperate for food. I mean, they'll just go looking anywhere for it. Oh, they will. I mean, you can look out. Arbor Buddies, you know, is the one big thing. And roadies, you always see them at. And they will. They'll stand right up on their legs and they'll reach six feet up and keep traveling down. As we approach winter, obviously things are starting to close down. You know, the trees, obviously, is like going into hibernation, depending on, obviously, what type of trees they are. But let's quickly talk about diseases and, and pests, because they are a big issue here in, in New England. Obviously, we've had the lanternfly, we've had the gypsy moth. But one of the new things that uh, has been hitting all the headlines is beech leaf disease. Tell us a little bit about that, because although it's not so much of a problem now, as we're, as I say, heading into winter, it's going to be something that's going to, to like, rear its head so like from spring onwards yeah so beech leaves started popping up in connecticut i believe it was last spring that's when i uh, had first seen it so we actually contacted the agricultural experiment station started discussing with those guys and it's turned to a very big issue pretty much from that point on we were actually trying to figure out what was going on with the tree at a property and we got an email and then boom i was like whoa wait a minute this ain't good and so for the past year and change, DEP, numerous organizations in the agricultural world have been trying to figure out what can we do to prevent this. It's very fast moving. It's easy to see on the leaves due to the striations that it leaves, the coloring. It's going to change the landscape once again, just another pest and disease moving in i mean and unfortunately it's not the only thing that beech uh, trees uh, suffer from we've had beech bark disease as well and obviously there's other things that happen so i suppose the best advice for people is you know come spring once the leaves start coming back out again if they notice anything odd you know contact an organization like green valley tree and have you come over maybe until i can see what the situation is because although i understand that there are no actual it's like fixes as it were at the moment i mean i'm still i'm guessing there's still things that you might be able to advise people about in a sort of a management type of way yeah there's plenty of things to do to be preventative and make sure tree is as healthy as possible especially when we're talking about beech trees they are sensitive sensitive species i mean from like you said beech bark disease phytophthora just the environment in general they can be very sensitive to. So make sure that the health, the soil nutrition is there and doing things as organically as possible is huge because then it lasts much longer. So there's a number of things in our kit that we can use to ensure that they stay as healthy and in good vigor. Ariel and Josh, thanks obviously for your continued support of the podcast and it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast or advertising on it, then get in touch by visiting our website at connecticut-east.com or contact us through our various social media platforms. If you don't dispose of the unused or expired prescription drugs in your home, they might find a new one. They could end up lost, stolen, or simply misused. Keep them safe, clean them out, take them back. At the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration's National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day, Saturday, October 23rd. To find a collection site near you, visit DEATakeback.com. Help DEA keep our communities safe and healthy. Tree damage caused by high winds, hurricanes, or stormy weather? Green Valley Tree has you covered. 
we offer emergency storm service for residential, commercial, and even municipalities. From full removals, uprooted or broken trees, to broken and fractured limbs, no job too big or small. If you need immediate emergency service outside our regular business hours, call our emergency hotline at 860-966-5710 and visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for details of our other services. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making the headlines in the region recently. Mohegan Sun first opened its doors to the public in Connecticut 25 years ago on October 12th. President and general manager of Mohegan Sun, Jeff Hamilton, says their success has come from being innovative and letting customers and future employees see what it takes to run a casino with their award-winning TV show, Back of House. So it's been a great recruitment tool, people that are excited. And I think also from the brand, I mean, I'll tell you, as I walk around the property, people are always like, oh, you're Jeff Hamilton from Back of House. I see you on my TV in the hotel, or I saw you on backofhouse.tv. And it actually allows me to have a conversation with customers. The casino's arena has hosted more than 13.5 million guests since it opened in 2001 and has been home to more than 3,000 paid events in its history to date. Hamilton says many famous names have played at Mohegan Sun and also fought there. And I can remember memories of we used to have an outdoor pavilion where actually Lennox Lewis fought, you know, one of his championship fights at. That was like a big event for Uncasville at the time. And I can remember all the people pouring in from the winter lot right to the restaurant that I was working at. And, you know, just the excitement of, you know, having entertainment here in the early days, even before we had an arena. It's also now possible to gamble online in the state with the two casinos and the Connecticut Lottery through your smartphone or computer thanks to a change in gambling laws along with sports betting as well that came into force recently. United Community and Family Services, a healthcare non-profit, has opened two more in-school health centres in Waterford, bringing a total of eight health centres in the region's schools. Waterford State Representative Kathleen McCarty said with one in four school children in the state having some form of health issue, the in-school centres are invaluable. School-based health centres break down barriers. They help our students. Uh, and it, it's a continuum of care. With the primary care, the access is increased. Our students do not go without care. And everyone is uh, treated, whether you have insurance or no insurance. I just think... It's the best thing we could do. Superintendent for Waterford Public Schools, Thomas Giard, said the centres were a collaborative effort between UCFS and the Waterford Education Board and help continue their mission towards students and their parents. Waterford is very much a community in change with increasing needs in both our students and families, irrespective of the pandemic. Implementing school-based health centres with both medical and behavioural care is in clear alignment with our core mission to ensure our students have opportunities in life, learning and work. The two new health centres are based at Clark Lane Middle School and Waterford High School. Connecticut will soon join a majority of other East Coast states in having a federally recognised estuary that could help identify environmental threats to waterways and natural resources within part of Long Island Sound. Emily Scott from the Connecticut News Service reports. The creation of a natural estuarine research reserve in Connecticut would bring up to $1 million per year for scientific study and education. Supported by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the proposed reserve areas include up the Connecticut River, which feeds into the eastern part of Long Island Sound. 
Patrick Cummins of the Connecticut Audubon Society says although the reserve funding doesn't go specifically toward conservation, it'll help streamline those efforts. What it will do is allow us to collect more data so when there are willing landowners within the boundary who want to have their land preserved, this will help to justify the appropriation of funds to protect that property by saying it's part of the NER and other great things about the Long Island Sound famous Connecticut River estuary. The Audubon Society has been involved in the reserve planning process. Cummins says they expect the specific boundaries of the reserve to be announced by January. I'm Emily Scott. In the Connecticut Examiner this week, Greg McKenna has already outgrown the Moody's location of the nutmeg pharmacy he opened in February 2020. Now he's seeking approval to build a brand new nutmeg pharmacy down the road, a location he hopes will not only continue to serve the East Haddam community, but will help expand the role of pharmacists across Connecticut. In the day this week, on the steps of her attorney's office in New London, Crystal Caldwell spoke about her ongoing recovery from the injuries she suffered last year when police say she was the victim of a racially motivated attack while working as a hotel clerk in Mystic. Now her attorney says she's also enduring the emotional trauma of being sued by her alleged attackers. Philip Sarna and Emily Orbe of New York have been charged with beating Caldwell, who is black, in an attack caught on surveillance video at the Quality Inn on Whitehall Avenue in Stonington on June 26. 2020. This summer, Sana and Orbe filed a civil lawsuit in federal court against Caldwell, her son Jamel Caldwell, and the parent company of the inn, bringing forth accusations that the racial element of the attack is a hoax. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.